so much for your hospitality, Court Farm Church. It's a wonderful blessing to be with you again. And uh, as John has said, it is, it's just a, a, a wonderful miracle, if I can call it that, the way the Lord has knit us together and indeed how this camp has unfolded. Uh, we give God all the glory for that and the thanks. And uh, we, we really are just looking forward to spending time drawing near to the Lord. Amen. That's what it is. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen. So that's what we really believe the Lord wants to do over that time. Thank you so much for having me again this morning and this evening. Uh, Pastor John Hayward was with us uh, last Sunday. Thank you for releasing him to be with us. We were greatly blessed. Still hearing good comments, uh, John, about uh, the message, particularly on the blood, which we sang so much about this morning. And uh, isn't it wonderful? You know, we often hear how this is a, a topic that's not being touched on in so many uh, uh, evangelical churches out there, and, 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 and it's a sad thing. There's real power in the blood, amen? amen. And we really witnessed that this morning as we were singing. So praise God for that. Amen. And uh, so wonderful to, to, to hear that last week. Um, so sorry you missed out, but I uh, trust uh, it was Jared who was preaching. Uh, I heard that was really good. So praise God. The Lord is raising up. Amen. I think it was prayed this morning the Lord would raise up preachers and those amen. whom he'll send. And the Lord is doing it. Amen. Amen. He is building his church. Amen. That's what he said. I will build my church. And then he told us, go and make disciples of the nations. But as I heard from one Bible teacher, we get it the wrong way around, don't we? We want to build the church and tell the Lord to go make disciples of the nations. But it's the other way around. Amen. Um, I, I maybe just point you uh, uh, in the direction if you, if you are interested in following. I know you're a church that pray a lot about the state of the nation, which is so needed in our time. And uh, uh, I believe by the Lord's hand, he, he'd arranged for our local MP, who happens to be Sir John Redwood. He was with us yesterday at our church, and uh, uh, it wasn't a Christian message. It was just an update on, on things happening, and, and, and it is on our church website if you'd like to look at it, because... Uh, he does, I think, calm some of the fears that have been hyped up by the media. Yeah. And uh, it also will help you to, to pray uh, uh, more specifically. So be, feel free to have a look at that. Good. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, which I trust you do have with you, um, <clears throat> I must confess um, something the Lord is still teaching me. And, you know, we're sometimes slow in learning. I sometimes really do labor. I've shared many times with the people in our church, public speaking was always my great fear. Uh, you may have heard some people say, some people fear public speaking more than death itself. I think I was pretty close to that category. But I give God all the praise and the glory. But I do, I find myself really laboring sometimes. Oh Lord, will you give me, and I really plead with the Lord, and you, know, and I, you get in the flesh, isn't it? And then sometimes you do get a little message together, and then Saturday night, half past nine, the Lord just wipes it all away. This is what I'd like you to share. And uh, this is happening to me far, far too often these days. But I praise God, amen, because that's something that we know then that he wants us to, to hear this morning. So it's really on the topic of God's love. And I was so touched when we were singing um, that, that song, um, uh, you know, the blood reaches to the mountain, but also to the valleys. And uh, this is something I am finding uh, in my limited years of uh, pastoring uh, church, is, uh, and even in my own experience, is how hard it is for us, even as Christians, to receive God's love and also to give love. And there, there's a real uh, um, 
I call it an issue in the, in the wider church, but it's something we struggle with. And perhaps it's got to do with our upbringing, our background, our cultures. I don't know. But it is something I find is really hard for us to do as Christians. It's just to receive God's love. And indeed, there are so many passages. So we're going to start off first and foremost, if we can. Maybe we'll start with Isaiah 42. Um, and I'm hoping by God's grace, we just uh, receive from him this morning. And uh, I believe the Lord really laid this on my heart, particularly last night, but also a few Sunday evenings ago, we dedicated an evening service to, to praise and worship and prayer. And of course, you pray all the things, pray about the nation and all the things that we, we like to pray about. And it's always the, sometimes those dying moments of the prayer meeting where you feel the Spirit of God just takes you in a direction that you never thought. And, and, and it really was all about the Lord's love. He wants us to know how much He loves His church, how much He wants to restore His church, how much He wants to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. This is the message of the gospel. So we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning. I am not entirely polished around this message as I believe the Lord gave it to me late last night, but we're just going to look at a few things. So let me just pray and we commit this time to the Lord. Amen. Ask him to lead us this morning. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you today, we thank you for our wonderful time of worship. How wonderful it is to come together as the church, Lord. And even as we think how many people throughout the time zones all over the world, Lord, have met together and are meeting together and will be meeting together even this day, Lord, to turn their face toward you and worship you. Lord, it is a privilege for us to do that this day. We thank you. We thank you for our musicians and those whom you have laid the burden upon to lead us so wonderfully, Lord. We give you praise and we give you thanks. And Lord, as we come to your word, again, we come with a sense of awe. Lord, how privileged we are to sit today with an English translation in our laps, knowing how it's cost so many people throughout history. Lord, we come with awe, knowing this is your word that speaks to us even this day. And Lord, you know every heart here. You know every heartache. You know every trouble. Lord, you know everything about us. So we just ask you that you would, Lord, just speak to us by your spirit through your word that has stood the test of time. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 42, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah 42. <clears throat> and we'll just look at the first four verses there in Isaiah chapter 42. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth just, justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Wonderful passage, and do we know who is this servant of the Lord that he's talking about? Who is this? Jesus. Jesus, amen. Always the right answer. And we know this because in Matthew chapter 12, we can just quickly flip over to New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, just in case we have any doubt.
Uh, John told me we finish at 2 o'clock, is that right? <laughs> I come from Africa where they are not good at keeping to time, but no, I pray the Lord won't keep us too long. But Matthew chapter 12, um, is it from verse 18? We'll pick it up from verse 15. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Isn't that an astonishing thing? He healed them all, those who came to him. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the very passage we've just read, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. And he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone uh, hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will trust. Amen. Aren't we here today as grafted in Gentiles today? Wonderful. The word of the Lord comes to pass. But isn't that interesting? A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. There's something really profound here about the Lord's love for us. And this is something we can gloss over so easily in a time where we are living. We can sometimes forget that we are living in the time of grace. <laughs> and then as we were praying this morning for the lost, we pray for them earnestly because we know that time is running out. But we are still living in the time of grace. And how easily sometimes we want to call down the judgment of God. <laughs> Be like Jonah was, eh? Wants to see Nineveh destroyed. But yet God has compassion and he has love. And I believe this is something he revealed to us as a church a few weeks ago. And something I believe he wants all of us to know. This is the heart of God. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. I had a wonderful quote that I was going to read to you this morning. I left it on my phone in the car, so I won't go out and fetch it right now. That will be a little bit awkward. But it is a bruised reed he will not break. There's something about being broken inside, internal damage. And you know, you look around and you talk uh, to fellow Christians in house groups, wherever you are, you realize some of the struggles people face in life, the pains that they are dealing with, Amen. And sometimes we just put on our Sunday faces <laughs> and we're all happy and everything and we rejoice in the Lord. But sometimes we are really broken inside. Do you know the Lord cares about those things? He knows our pains and our struggles. He was tempted in every way as we were. And it says there, a bruised reed he will not break. We wouldn't care about a bruised reed. We would just say the Lord cares. A smoking flax he will not quench. Something about a smoldering wick, as it were. Just a bunch of smoke. There's no flame. There's no fire. And this morning you sense that as we were praising and we were worshiping, something of that fire of the Lord, amen, that is so lacking in so many of our meetings across the nation. The Lord wants to breathe on that smoking flax. He will not quench it. Amen. And ignited again a flame for him. This is the desire of the Lord. And this is the spirit of the Lord upon his servant. 
So remember that as we go through these verses. If we go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, and we just start surveying. There's so many passages we could turn to about the love of God. You know, some people find it really hard when they read the Old Testament, and you may have heard people talk about, I don't worship the God of the Old Testament. He's far too mean and he's too angry. Don't like him. I like the God of the New Testament. Jesus, meek and mild. And, uh, you know, there's lots of Christians that still hold that view out there. But when you read the Old Testament and you see even the judgments and how God dealt with these people, Israel, friends, you don't have to dig very deep to see God's intense love for his people. And he's always pleading with them to come back. And in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, just to get us started. Sorry, I'm in Isaiah, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I'll read it from verse 1. At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. That's the desire of God, that we will be his people. Amen. And he will be our God. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when I went to give him rest. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. <laughs> this is a word that I think we don't understand in our English language. Everlasting. An everlasting love. He has loved us with an everlasting love. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. You know, I find it astonishing when you read the Bible and you, you begin to just perhaps think through some of the science, if you want to call it, how this God outside of time can pierce into our linear time, as it were, and speak to somebody. And you see it like in, in, in cases like Gideon, for instance, where the, the angel of the Lord appears to him and he calls him, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> And Gideon's like, that's not me. <laughs> but God sees him throughout eternity. And so he sees each and every one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. Eh? He knows the thoughts that he has for us. Plans of hope and a future. To prosper us and not to harm us. So here we see, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Friends, it sounds like a very simple thing to say but that we would receive the love of God. Is it Graham Kendrick who wrote that song, Such Love, Pure as the White as Snow, Changing All My Ugliness, All My Bitterness. Such love. You can get lost in those words that God loves us. And when you get to John 3:16, for God so loved the world, it is okay to tell somebody on the street, God loves you. Because he absolutely does. God loves his people with an everlasting love. Psalm 136. Psalm 136. We won't read the whole thing through. But there's a phrase that's being repeated throughout. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Amen. Amen. 
God is good. All the time, God is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. Now, depending on your translation, many other translations say your loving kindness endures forever. God's mercy and his love kind of go together, don't they? It's his loving kindness, and it says it endures forever. All right, this is the God whom we serve. So let's take away... Um, you know, the, the, the things that we have sometimes of an angry God. Yes, God is a righteous God and he will judge sinners. We prayed this morning, thanks be to God for the blood of Jesus, that his wrath has been satisfied through his son. Amen. And such was his love as we will see. So Psalm 136, if you read this through, God's love endures. His tender mercies and his love endures forever and ever and ever. And I only believe in, in, in eternity are we going to have a fuller understanding <laughs> of what that means. It doesn't compute in our minds. Now, again, if we talk about love in our context, and, in, and as I'm sure you know, um, in this church, um, when we use the word love in our language, it, it, it's, it, it's got very weak meaning, doesn't it? I can say, as you know, to my dog, which I don't have. I love my dog. <laughs> or I love my car, or I love my this one. And I say, I love my wife. <laughs> you see, there's a, there's a real disconnect there with uh, the type of love that we just use every day. We just say we love all kinds of things. I love chocolate. I love this. I love that. I love this weather. But we just use the same word love for all these things. But biblical love is, is far more than that. And we know. What's the Greek word for love? Anybody know? Agape. There's been books written on this, hasn't there? Hey, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an unconditional love. Okay, and it's only when you truly understand the word of God, you can begin to grasp this unconditional love that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> even then, he loved us. And this is the love that we are talking about. So how does God demonstrate his love for us? Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 5, friends. There's many places we can have a look. But Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. The first few verses there. Read 1 to 8. And if you ever have the time... You know, Romans is one of those fantastic books, isn't it? You just want to, you've got, you got to almost sit and read it through in one sitting. I know it's, it takes a bit of time, but if you can sit and read it through from beginning to end in one sitting, and then do it again, and then do it again, and you begin to see Paul's clear argument and what he, the, the thoughts that he's bringing to us by the Spirit of God, it is incredible. You know, and of course, when you get to Romans chapter 8, that fantastic there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I heard one Bible teacher say, you know, I have to open the Bible every now and then to make sure it's still there because it is so profound. It is so powerful. The Word of God. Amen. So Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Amen. I trust all of us this morning understand that we repent from dead works and have faith toward God, Hebrews 6. Amen. Faith toward God. We are justified by faith. 
Okay, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We, and we stand in this hope that we have. And not only that, Paul says, but we also glory in tribulations. <laughs> There's a nice message for us this morning. But we glory in tribulations, and only if you are a born-again believer, led by the Spirit of God, you understand what that means. How on earth can we glory in tribulations? How on earth did these early apostles, when they were being whipped and they were beaten, they were put in, in prison, they come out rejoicing? It must have you know, driven these leaders, it must have driven them nuts. How is this possible? It's not possible, humanly speaking. It's by the Spirit of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God poured out in our hearts by the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, which was given to us. Friends, we can only truly know something of the love of God when we are connected to God, when we are born again, born of His Spirit, when we are filled with His Spirit. And then it says, this hope does not disappoint. You know, when we talk about hope, we say, I hope the England team win on Saturday, cricket team, and inevitably they don't. How sad. <laughs> Sorry, John, I had to get that in. <laughs> it's not that type of hope. I hope, I really hope this is going to happen. No, this is a secure hope that we have. It's something that we are looking forward to. It's like an anchor on the other side. Amen? And this is a sure hope that we have in which we stand even this day. And how wonderful it is when we praise the Lord as we do this morning. Just feel like you could just go be in heaven as it were. It's a wonderful thing. I often wonder what it would be like. Let's say we you know, praising as we did this morning. And you have an unregenerate unbeliever walking through the door, just coming to peek in to see what we're doing. And I think, what are these old songs these people are doing? You know, what are they, like in a time capsule, you know? They just wouldn't understand. They just didn't understand, but let them be born again of the Spirit of God, and they're alive unto God. They'd be jumping up and down, praising and worshiping as we were this morning. It is a miracle, friends. We must never, ever, ever forget the wonderful place of privilege that we are in in these days. God's grace. Amen. And all this time that has passed since the cross of Calvary, it is God delaying and delaying and delaying because it's his desire that all come to repent. It's God's grace. And how many of us, we desire the Lord's judgment. Lord, would you zap them? <laughs> and God says, no, as he said to Jonah. No, even the livestock, he points out to Jonah, doesn't he? God loves his creation. He loves us, friends, and that is a good message for us to take out in the world. God loves you. He loves you. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, verse 5, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That speaks of at the right time, the precise time when it was necessary in history. God in his wisdom knew when the right time was 
Christ came and died for the ungodly. And you know, again, when we look back over our linear timeline that we are bound to in the flesh, there is a time coming ahead. Just as Jesus came the first time, there was a day in history. One day in history. Christ was conceived. Christ was born. He lived his life. A day in history. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. These things happen. A day in history. And it's not finished because there's a day coming when he will return. Amen. And it's a day in history. When people will be carrying on as normal. And then the day comes. Don't let that day catch you unawares. There is a day coming. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. How many stories are out in the world? And of course the soldiers that have given their life. And you know a husband might give his life for his wife. If they had a bit of a fight it might be the other way around. I don't know. <laughs> she might take his life. But these are something that as humans we can do even within ourselves. For a righteous person you would even dare to die. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Sorry, I'll read verse 8 again. Uh, sorry, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No one was looking for a God. None. Friends, this is the love of God, and that's why when we come to him, we can bring nothing of ourselves. While we were yet sinners, it is his grace. That's why we sing that timeless song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I once was lost, but now I am found. <laughs> he found me. This is how God demonstrates his love for us. God demonstrates his own love for us. Understand this. There's one thing we go home with today. God loves you so much. And this is how he demonstrated his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. For me, this is one of the things I've, I, you know, you could spend hours and hours and hours on just trying to understand the wonderful privilege of our salvation. You could spend hours and hours and hours with people and we talk about it to and fro. And, and you know, because we're so programmed and we're so churched in our time, we speak, you might have heard, Christianese, don't we? It's our language. So we say certain things and we'll even hear the right answers out of children. If you ask them questions, they'll say, oh, that's Jesus. Oh, that's, these are the right answers. But there's something profound when you begin to think of the state of humanity post the fall and how far we drifted away from God. And yet while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his own love, sent his son to die for us. There's something really, really incredible about that. This is God demonstrating his love to us. As somebody once said, the 
cross of Jesus was a love letter from God written in blood, in the blood of his own son. How much he loves us that he would do that for us. Let's have a look at a few other verses. 1 John chapter 3. One John chapter three. Seriously, John, what time do I finish? Two o'clock or three o'clock? <laughs> Won't be much longer. One John chapter three. And John speaks a lot of 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 love. From verse one. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. This is the love the Father has bestowed on us. The manner of love the Father has bestowed, lavished on us, one translation says. His love that was just poured out on us that we should be called the children of God. You know what a privilege it is for us to say, as Jesus taught his disciples how they should pray, to say, our Father who art in heaven, that we could call him Father, and as we read in Romans, it's Abba, Father, the spirit that cries within us, Abba, Father, and bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. You know, I believe as Jesus said of John the Baptist, all the prophets that ever lived and some amazing prophets as we know in the Old Testament none greater than John the Baptist but what did he say the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he I personally believe uh, believe that means those who are in the kingdom of God those of us it's talking about a position of privilege that we are in friends to be in this incredible time that we are living in and of course we look back over the times of history and we see how the church at large has made a mess of it. And we're left with so many denominations and different Christian organizations. And nobody knows where to go there or here or where they should go. It's time to come back to the love of God. Amen. It's time to come back to the Christ of the church. Amen. The head of the church. And we get knit together in him. He is the head. And if we just would connect ourselves to him, he will, he will build his church. I am so grateful to God and all my ignorance and, and stubbornness and lack of ability. I can fall on my knees before the Lord and say, Lord, you have placed me where I am. I need your help. You said you will build your church. We are lacking here. We are lacking there. We are lacking here. We need your help. And lo and behold, I get surprised every time the Lord would send somebody to come and help because he said he would build his church. And I praise God for that, friends. We can put up a fantastic show, as many churches have. I've come from a church in South Africa where it started off with maybe 300 people. Before you know it, 600 people. And, uh, you know, the, they believe by the leading of God, built a 3,000-seater. And before you know it, upgrading the sound system. And uh, before you know it, new chandeliers. And before you know it, new carpets. Fantastic! Before you know it, new band. It's wonderful getting young people in. But you know, when you start looking to the left or to the right, you begin to realize people are disconnected. They are disconnected from the Lord. And sadly, this is how we're attracting so many young people 
today, or we seek to attract them that way. But no, I think as John said it rightly in our church last week, when they see the glory of God, that is what will change them, amen? When they come into a meeting like we had this morning and we are genuinely worshiping the Lord, they might at first think, what, what, these guys are mad. But when they begin to realize God is amongst these people, and I really do believe that is what the broken people on the streets, this is what they need. They need to know that God is real. They need to know that he is with his people. Amen. Mm. And friends, you and I carry this wonderful message. We contain the love of God by his spirit. That's what Romans 5 says to us. Amen. And we can take this message wherever we go. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. What a wonderful blessing. Just turn over to 1 John 4 verse 7. John 4 verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Okay, so we're talking about this agape love, all right? Not I love my dog love. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. His mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. God is love. He loves you, friends, and I want you to know this morning because sometimes even when we are together like this and we are worshiping the Lord, you carry a real hurt with you and a pain. You might be going through a real rough time. Know this, that even in God's love, a bruised reed, he will not break. Smoking flax, he will not put out. He knows your pain. He knows my pain. He knows our background. He knows everything about us. And yet he loves you. Yet he loves you. 1 John 4 verse 16, just a few verses down. <clears throat> and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in him, in love abides in God. And God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. <laughs> you begin to see something of the place of privilege that we are in as Christians. And then verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, this fear that he's talking about, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Perfect love casts out fear. This fear involves torment. It's talking about judgment and the time of judgment. If we do not have the love of God, if we are not regenerate, we have not been born again, oh, friends, we should fear. We should be very afraid. But perfect love, complete love, casts out that fear. Why? Because as we've prayed even this morning, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus that covers us, friends. He is our righteousness. This is God's love letter written to us through his son. And in him we are redeemed. So perfect love casts out all fear. 
of the day of judgment and torment. We don't have to fear that. God poured that out upon his son. Oh, I think we're going to spend eternity <laughs> trying to work that one out, friends. I really do believe it. Every time we see Jesus, his scar-marked hands, and, and, and we see and remember what it is he's done for us, <laughs> you just break before him and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. His incredible love for us. But you know, friends, there's another part I just want to get to that has to do with the love of God. And I just want to spend a minute or two on this. And if we just turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Because God loves us. And of course, it is a wonderful message that we, we, we take and we take to heart. And, and as I said at the beginning, I'm finding in spending time with people, it is so hard for us to receive God's love, particularly if we've been hurt betrayed, all kinds of things we go through. And you know, you read in Isaiah 61, the message of the gospel, isn't it, that he came to bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free. God is here to heal our hearts. Amen. But in Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 3, it says this, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, right, knowing what Jesus went through for us, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And this is coming from Proverbs chapter 3. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. So shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. How many of us are grateful for the Lord's chastening? <laughs> There is going to be tribulations for you in this life, friends. Jesus promised us that. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yes. But God disciplines us. This is something any Christian who has walked a little bit of the Christian world will tell you. God disciplines those whom he loves. And this can take various shapes and forms. But don't forget, it is God's love. Amen. Amen. He knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you and to not, not harm you, I hope, in the future. But God disciplines those whom he loves. And this is something we must never forget. Because how often, in our zeal, Christian zeal, for the Lord, we just run out ahead and we want to do all these amazing things for the Lord, and perhaps the timing is wrong. And we beget an Ishmael. <laughs> we know the story. Don't beget an Ishmael. God disciplines those whom he loves. 
Now, it's understanding during that time that God loves you. Okay? He's not angry with you in that sense. God loves you. Just as any good father, you know, it's horrible as, as a parent to, to discipline your children, as we know. Any good parent does not enjoy disciplining their children. Now I look at my four-year-old and one-year-old and also 13-year-old and 11-year-old. You sometimes think, oh, here we go again. You just, you don't, you don't want to go there, but you know you have to because they're out of line and you have to do something. But you're doing it out of place of love because you're looking at their future. Okay, this is a basic principle for us to understand. But how much more our Father in heaven, he loves us. He loves us. Matthew 24, and we'll start closing off with these few verses because the Bible talks so much about love. We, can, we, we, could, yeah, we could spend a whole afternoon. But again, if there's one thing that you go away with today, God loves you. And even in your brokenness and your heartache and your pain, whatever it is you may be going through, God knows. He understands what you are going through. And it is his desire to heal you and to restore you and to use you for that purpose for which he has called you. Amen. And when we talk about the end times, Jesus spoke in Matthew 24, a passage we hopefully know very well about the signs of the times. And of course, we are very keen to understand the signs of the times that we are living in. But there's something tucked away in there, just from verse 9. Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Have we had a shortage of false prophets even in our day? False teachers, false prophets leading multitudes astray. It's a sign of the times. And then verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I think the old King James talks about, well, wax cold. It's, a, it's about like a layer upon a layer. It's a slow process. But the love of many will grow cold. We are living in a lawless society, friends. We are living in a time when good is being called evil and evil is being called good. You can even look at kids movies and things and you see that theme running through from beginning to end very innocent or seems very innocent and subtle how they elevate the evil and make the good look as if it's evil watch out for these things it's something that is going subconsciously into the minds of our kids and we are living in this time and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold but he who endures to the end shall be saved this is an encouragement for us, each of us. Don't let us be those who let the love of many grow cold. And it talks about those who are being offended. How many Christians today are walking around with an offense? <laughs> and we can't forgive that person for what they've done. Ask yourself this question, how on earth are you going to stand before the living Lord one day <laughs> and try and justify your case of offense because of so-and-so when you look at him who took it all upon himself just doesn't stand doesn't stand don't be offended friends love one another don't let your love grow cold one to another i'll just finish with um, revelation chapter 2 
almost finished, and then we'll go to Romans 8 if that's okay. Revelation chapter 2. And this is another passage I trust you know well. The seven churches, always good for us to go through those every now and then as a church. Because you could always just add there to the angel of the church of Court Farm or the church of Three Mile Cross. So he speaks to the church at Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2. He is here with us. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Praise God for those who call out the false prophets and the false teachers of our day. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, Jesus says to them, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. This is a problem that we can all potentially face. In the busyness of church, in the desire and the zeal to do things right, we can lose our first love. Do you see the love of God flowing right throughout and his desire for us to just love him and receive from him? And then he says to them in verse 5, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In light of his glory and his grace of the gospel and the cross of Christ, we can but only fall down on our knees before him in gratitude and in love. Amen. This is God's love toward us while we were yet sinners. Don't allow your heart to be hardened, friends. Don't let the hardships of this life get you down. Don't allow the enemy to come and tell you lies that you are no good in the sight of God and that God has forgotten about you. God loves you. Even if you are broken and you are bruised, even if you're just a bunch of smoke and there's no flame and you're just a disturbance to those around about you and I'm so needy, you don't even want to go to your pastor because I just always feel so needy. God knows. <laughs> and he will not broke, break that broken reed. And it's only he by his spirit that can fan into flame again that smoking flax. Let the Lord do that for you. Amen. Let's go to Romans 8. We'll close with this. Romans 8. This wonderful passage. We'll read from verse 31. <clears throat> Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Well, you'll have to read the passage before that to see what things Paul is talking about, okay? Remember, when we're reading these, they are letters. Essentially, we're reading an email to the Romans, and we're just picking it up halfway through. We need to read the whole thing. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember Elisha and his servant when he was overwhelmed with fear? Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes, and what did he see? Chariots of fire all around. Those that are for us are more than those that are against us. Amen. If God is for us, who can be against us? Don't forget the wonderful position of privilege that we are in as blood-washed saints. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
and not like the prosperity teachers would tell us these days, your Rolls Royces and Bentleys and all these things. No, we're talking about eternal things here, amen? He is going to prepare a place for us, and he will come again to take us to be with him, and we look forward to that. Freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who could possibly bring a charge against a child of God when it is God who justifies? Do you see this wonderful privilege that we are in? Who cares what they say about us out there? Amen. That is why the early apostles, when they went out, they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, to suffer for his name's sake. It is God who justifies. Remember that passage in 1 John 4. The fear has to do with torment. We have been released from that fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. We have been set free. We have a wonderful position of privilege. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. There is a human being, friends, at the right hand of the Father even now interceding for you and for me, being tempted in all areas that we could possibly face as human beings. He is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, standing in the gap, even though the accuser of the brethren is always there, (laughs) accusing us. We are so privileged. We are so privileged to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies, that veil that was torn from top to bottom. Why would we not live in that Holy of Holies that we have access to through the blood of the Lamb? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Ask yourself this question. Even the hardest thing that you go through on the face of this planet, friends, and there are some pretty tough things that we go through as human beings. Think of people who have lost a child. People who are living with, you know, an illness their whole life. We go through some pretty tough things in this life. But even so, the Bible tells us, count it all joy. You know, rejoice in tribulations. (laughs) Because we have an eternal mindset, a hope that does not disappoint. We are looking to them. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. The world hates us. Satan and his hordes hate us with a passion. Don't expect any favors from the world out there. We are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you understand? It's the love of God, friends. He loves us so much. And then Paul goes on, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord, if you ever, ever doubt that God loves you, just look to the cross of Calvary. Amen. Look at the blood that was shed for you, for you and for me. And we stand here today and we have the wonderful privilege to praise and to worship his name. Knowing that we have been saved by his grace. Amen. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Friends, don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let life's circumstances get you down. Let nothing come between you and the love of God. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. It is but a lie from the enemy. It's not true. God loves you. And if you are broken and hurt even this day, a bruised reed, he will not break. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. I'll hand over to Pastor John. Lord, we, we thank you. Father, we always feel like we've just scratched the surface of the, the heights of your love for us. Lord, and we come this day, it's such a privilege to worship you and to praise you. But Lord, we come to you as we are. We know that our hearts are hardened at times, Lord. When we allow the things of this life to get us down, Lord, and we allow the enemy to lie to us. But Lord, we come to you this day. We thank you for your great love. Thank you that your word says you are love. Lord, in our minds, we don't understand this. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, there is something that just ignites within us. We know that we are the children of God. And we praise you and we worship you. Father, I just commit all of us into your hands. Lord, you know every situation, even represented in this room. Lord, heartaches and pain, family situations, sickness, and all kinds of things that this world may throw at us. Father, I pray that we would come back to that place of our first love at your feet and to just kneel before you and allow you to love us, Lord. Oh, help us, Lord, we pray. We don't want to be like those in Ephesus, Father, doing all the right things yet forgetting our first love. So we come before you this morning and we ask that you'd help us, Lord, to put you first in all things. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus that we could sing about this morning. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful salvation and this glorious hope that we have in you, even though we do not deserve it. But Lord, your love was demonstrated. Oh, Lord, we praise you and we thank you. Help us, Lord, to go from strength to strength as we go from this place, Lord, to show something of your love. Lord, that cannot come from within ourselves, but, Lord, your love that has been poured out into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Help us to be those vessels, Lord, of honor we ask in the name of Jesus. Bless this church, Lord. I pray for Pastor John and Helen and family, Lord, all those whom you are raising up to stand by them in this this fellowship. I pray, Lord, that you have your hand upon them. Thank you, Lord, for the love for you that is evident in this place. And Lord, I just pray that you go from strength to strength. And Lord, truly be a light in this dark place that we live, O Lord, and bring many unto you, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.